Welcome to the History of California podcast. Today's episode is another interview episode. I interviewed Alan Salazar, who is a storyteller and a consultant with the Tatavium tribe and the Chumash tribe. Uh, Alan had a lot of interesting things to say about the mission system, and I wanted to bring him on as kind of an alternative perspective, uh, different from the conventional historical representation of the mission system. Um, we have talked about the downsides and the effects on Native people in the mission system, but Alan has a unique perspective uh, on this issue, and I wanted his words uh, to be used to describe what happened as opposed to mine. So I know you're really going to love what Alan has to say. There was some technical difficulties with parts of the recording um, with his or my Wi-Fi, uh, so I tried my best to salvage uh, different parts, and I left some parts that were relatively close and understandable on here, even though they aren't the best quality. So just bear with us um, and enjoy. Welcome to the History of California podcast. Uh, today we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're going to be interviewing someone today, and I have Alan Salazar, who's a Tatavian and Shumash elder, who's going to kind of give us a little bit of different perspective on uh, the mission system and how we should think about it. This is particularly relevant right now because there's a lot of discussions about uh, memorializing uh, different parts of the U.S. history as well as North American history. Um, in particular, uh, the context about Junipero Serra, who's uh, a person that's held in high regard in kind of California folklore and history. Um, and there's questions as to whether uh, we should revere him as much as has been uh, practiced for a long time. So I brought on Alan because I think Alan will give us a, a different perspective. So thank you for coming on, Alan. Uh, my pleasure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the work that you do before we get into the the history and the mission system in particular? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, I tell people basically almost my whole life, I, I consider myself a uh, indigenous uh, Native American activist. So I've always been involved with, with issues and causes that uh, affect tribal people, and especially the tribal people in, in California. Uh, so uh, I, I currently am on the Council of Elders with the Fernandino Tatavion Band of Mission Indians. Uh, that's my tribe from San Fernando. Uh, and uh, I uh, uh, do lectures and talks uh, on both the Tatavion and Chumash cultures. Uh, I do traditional Native American storytelling. Uh, I, and I said this yesterday to someone, uh, have stories and will travel. So I, I go all, all over to, to tell traditional Native American storytelling. Uh, storytelling is, is uh, something I thoroughly enjoy, and it's a large part, as, we, as many people know, of uh, most tribal cultures. Uh, and then lastly, uh, one of the things I've been involved with for the last 22, 23 years is I've helped uh, in the revitalization of the Chumash maritime culture. So the Chumash people, many of their villages were either on the islands off our coast of Ventura, Santa Barbara, the uh, Northern Channel, Island, uh, Channel Islands, uh, and along the coast from Malibu up to Morro Bay. And so we were ocean people. And I'm, I'm one of 
a, a small group of, of Chumash people that have helped uh, revitalize our, our ocean canoe culture. So I've helped build, paddle in, and learn how to navigate uh, in our traditional canoes in our ocean waters off the coast of Ventura, Santa Barbara, and onto the islands. So, what what is it like, Ben? Uh, that's a weird way to start. What's it been like working with uh, Ventura and Santa Barbara communities um, in revitalization and those kind of projects? Is it have both those communities been pretty open to working and 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 thinking about how to use land and stuff like that? You know, and and just because of uh, how and where I was raised, uh, I've I've seen I've, I've lived in areas. My mom is from Hanford, California, which is a small farming community south of Fresno. You're familiar with. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I went to elementary school, to Lee Richmond Elementary in Hanford, California, shout out to the Bullpups, um, uh, I learned literally zero about Native American cultures. Uh, they didn't teach anything. Uh, and I consider myself lucky and blessed to, to be in, in the Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, even to San Luis Obispo County, uh, where, educators, the school districts, uh, and even the local politicians, they reach out to, to the local native communities and, and, and want to know, uh, you know what, what can we do to improve our curriculum. So for the most part, um, uh, within uh, the governments uh, and the education systems in uh, Los Angeles County, Ventura County, Santa Barbara, San Luis County, they're they're very open and, and reach out to us and work with us, uh, and I've, I've seen uh, major uh, improvement in, in curriculum. Uh, Father Sarah statue here in Ventura was negotiated to be moved, and they moved it uh, last week about four a.m. in the morning. But there was there was it wasn't had to be forcibly taken down. The the the, the mayor of Ventura. Uh, the Padre at the, at the Ventura Mission sat down with local Chumash people and said, okay, how can we work this out? So uh, it, it's, uh, I'm blessed to be in a, in a place where uh, we're, we're respected and listened to. That's wonderful to hear. Um, now, you know, things, things along the coast have not always been that way, and we're going to talk about the mission system. Um, and I, you know, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about um, you know, the kind of the three G's of a Spanish colonial uh, empire, which is God, glory, and gold. Um, and, you know, that driving force uh, behind their colonization efforts. Um, and you know, I, I think every person that grows up in California in the fourth grade uh, has to do a mission project. Um, and we're taught about missions in a particular way, a sanitized way. And I was hoping that you'd uh, be kind enough to give us uh, kind of your perspective on the legacy of the mission system in California and maybe what you see as uh, gaps in, in our learning about it. Uh, well, I'd add a fourth G, uh, which is gore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll start by, by just kind of, sharing my my family experience so i, I get my uh, tataviyam and shumash ancestry from my father's side of the family uh, and for the last five 
six generations um, of my, my Tataviyama Shumash family uh, are from San Fernando. And the reason that they're, they're born and lived most of their lives in San Fernando is because my ancestors, my, my great, 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 and really poor greats, uh, grandparents were, were brought into the San Fernando Mission starting in 1799. The San Fernando Mission opened in 1797. Uh, uh, so the Tataviam is a very small tribe. Uh, the Shumash are a larger tribe. So there's uh, uh, several thousand, you know, about four to five thousand uh, people that have Shumash an uh, ancestry. There's maybe a thousand Tataviam. And it's uh, uh, three families that we know for sure, and we're pretty sure there's a fourth family out there. So four families, that's all that's left of the Tataviyam. So I can just share from what happened to my, to, to my family members. Uh, they weren't allowed to speak their language. So our language, our Tataviyam language is gone. Most of the Shumash language and dialects are gone and being revitalized. Uh, so the Tataviyam language, we've pretty much lost. It's very similar to uh, the Serrano and, and uh, uh, Gabrielino Tongva dialects. So we're revitalizing our language, but basically what we're gonna do is use the 25, 30 Tataviyam words we know, and then just use Serrano and Gabrielino words uh, to come up with, with our language. So uh, during the mission period, we were not allowed to speak our language. So most California, tribes that were brought to missions, their languages are, are lost or are almost gone, and need to be revitalized. Uh, we, we weren't allowed to, to, to live our traditional way. We, we were forced to, to uh, learn the Spanish way of, of life. Uh, and one of the things that I say about Father Sarah, uh, when I talk about that mission period, uh, if, if I go to your house, and sit down around your kitchen table and I share with you my religious beliefs about the sky people, um, about the three levels of the world, the upper world, the middle world, the underworld, and how I consider myself to be a person of the earth. Uh, I'm just sharing, you, sharing with you my beliefs. If that's something that, that appeals to you, then you can uh, uh, become a person of the earth also. And I would, I would share with you ceremonies that, that we do and how they're done out of respect. Uh, Father Sarah didn't do that. He came with soldiers standing behind him, soldiers with rifles. Uh, so if I walk in your house with a couple soldiers behind me with rifles and tell you about my religion and why you should become a person of the earth, it has a completely different meaning. Uh, one of the things that uh, is discussed when you're talking about Father Sarah uh, is did he beat anybody? Did he rape any any anyone? Did he kill anyone? Uh, no, but uh, the people that are being beaten in Portland by federal agents, President Trump was responsible for that. He's the president. He's the leader. Father Sarah was the leader and founder of the missions. He was responsible for the beatings that occurred, but he's definitely responsible for this one thing that I think is key to the destruction of tribal cultures. He believed we were inferior. So if I was at the San Fernando mission 220 years ago in 1800, 
um, he would have considered me to have the intelligence of about a four or five year old. And he treated me and talked to me like that. And if I tried to share with him my beliefs, I'm a savage, I'm inferior. Just that one label right there is to me, you know, a, a major uh, impact and influence on, on tribal people at, at the missions. Uh, then take away the loss of our culture, the loss of our way of life. They took our land. Father Sarah said, if we became Catholics and citizens of Spain, we would, he would give us the land back. He just wanted us to become good Catholics and uh, citizens of Spain. My ancestors did that. They learned Spanish, they became good Catholics, and they became citizens of Spain. Then they became citizens of Mexico, then they became citizens of the United States of America. Uh, we, 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 have, we, we have followed the, the rules and, and request of, of every government that uh, took our land. And the church has never given our land back. So today, the Padre, uh, the, the priest at the San Fernando Mission, uh, we have a we, we don't really have a relationship with him. It's, uh, he, he won't talk to us because we remind him every time we do see him. The San Fernando Mission is built over Tatabiam Village, and we were promised that land back. We want it back, and we'll take better care of it than than than, than the Catholic Church because we built it. And one thing that I've always complained about the fourth grade curriculum that we used to have 10 years ago, 20 years ago, was basically it didn't really study the mission period, what happened to tribal people and what the Catholic Church and what Father Sarah did. It was basically uh, a study of early California architecture and the kids would make yeah. models. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a way to avoid art. talking about the violence, right? Just yes, talk about yes. how the buildings look. Yeah. And it's a beautiful architecture. I come from a construction background. My grandfather was, was in construction, was a cement finisher. My dad was a plasterer and, and, and a plastering contractor. My, my brothers and, and nephews are, are plasterers and work in construction. So I appreciate the, the, the architecture and design of the buildings. Uh, and, and since we built them and made the adobes and plastered them, we will take care of, 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 that, of those buildings just as good as the Catholic Church will just tell the true story. Um, let me give you an example. You know, I said, when, when, we, when we have debates, which I hate debating, uh, to me, debating is, is a contest. So when people want to debate about uh, Father Sarah, uh, 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 I'll, I'll race anybody in a 100-yard dash. <laughs> because I'm my village's fastest runner. Uh, but having a debate, uh, I, I, I don't enjoy that competition. I don't feel like uh, you learn as much either. You know, you're, you're, so, can, you, you're just working so hard to prove your point that your, yes. your mind is not open to learning things, you know, outside of your perspective that you came with. Yeah, it's just point, counterpoint. But anyway, uh, uh, it, 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 when you get away from the debate, style uh, and that's why my approach is is really simple I'm going to use their words so I'm I'm not making up this is my view of, of what happened 
This is their words. If you go to the San Fernando Mission website, this is what they say. The San Fernando Mission was at its peak in 1810, I believe. Mm -hmm. My ancestors started arriving in 1799. So my family members, my great-great-great-grandparents and my great-great-great-grandparents were at the mission and many cousins and, and, and aunts and uncles uh, during the peak. At that peak, they had a thousand uh, tribal people. The San Fernando Mission is a little bit unique. It wasn't the only one like this, but it was one of the few that had brought in Gabrielino Tongva people from the south of the mission, Chumash uh, people from the west of the mission, and Chataviam people from north of the mission. So they had three tribal people in there and they started intermarrying. Uh, so my family probably also has Tongva Gabrielino, but we know we have Chumash and Chataviam. Uh, uh, but at the peak, they had a thousand uh, tribal people at the San Fernando Mission in 1810. Those thousand people were all of the tribal people, little babies, less than a year old, uh, uh, elders my age and older, and everything in between. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say there was only maybe 200 young kids, 10 and under, because if you were 10 and older, you were treated like an adult. So if you were 10, 11, 12 years old, you worked all day, sunrise to sunset. That's their words, not mine. Uh, so let's say they had 800, an 800 uh, workforce at the San Fernando Mission in 1810. But those 800 people did everything. Made, the women made all the clothes. They had to, they, they had to weave the, the wool and, and and uh, they would you know, get cotton uh, cloth and, and sew all the clothes, the shirts, the pants, the dresses. Uh, they made all the clothes. They made all the, all the shoes, the sandals, uh, which means the men had, had to take care of the cattle. And when they butchered the cattle for, for meat, they would tan the hides. And that leather was used for, for belts and, and, and pouches and shoes. So they made all of that from scratch. So stop and think about the labor intensity of that. Um, San Fernando Mission was like a, a hostel, a hotel, uh, because uh, it was about 30 miles from San Gabriel, which was a big mission. Yeah. Um, and travelers, when they were going up and down the state, would stay at San Fernando. Uh, and they had, uh, I think, around 10 10, 12 rooms that were, that were used for guests. So we had to take care of the guests, you know, uh, clean the rooms, cook the food. Um, so take all of that. This is their own records. That 800 workforce had to take care of 13,000 head of cattle, 8,000 sheep, and uh, 2,700 horses. That's what they had at the peak. Wow. That's a lot of livestock. Now yes. remember, it was free range. It was free range, so it's not like they had uh, 500 acres fenced off and there was all the cattle. No, the cattle were free ranging grazing. So that means you had to ride out and bring the cattle in, ride out and protect the cattle from the from the mountain lions, the wolves, the bears, and the coyotes. Uh, it was a lot of work. They don't list how many. Of the smaller, but they 
they had poultry, chickens to provide eggs, probably thousands of them. They had an orchard and made their own wine, so they had a winery. Uh, uh, they didn't have a few hundred acres. They probably had a thousand acres of crops, you know, bean, corn, melons. Um, uh, they grew all their food. We grew the food. We harvested. So when you start adding up all of that, plus making all the clothes, blacksmiths having to make wheels and carts by hand, shoeing all the horses. Ask anyone that has one horse how much work that is to take care of that one horse. We had 2,700 horses we had to take care of and groom and feed and, uh, and train and break, uh, uh, all that. When you add all that together, when the Catholic Church today, today says most California Indians that were at the missions did not, did not have a strong enough immune system to fight off diseases like chickenpox and measles. And that's true. The chickenpox and measles uh, killed thousands of California Indians. But if you and I were to work from sunrise to sunset, 10, 11, 12 hour days, right now the days are longer than, than 12 hours. Sunrise is at 6 a.m., sets at 8 p.m. It's a 14 hour day for 10, 11, 12 year olds, for 65, 70, 75 year olds. If you didn't do enough work, you were beaten. You were fed very little food and the, 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 the worst food, the high quality food was, was for the soldiers, the padres and the nuns and the guests. We didn't get steaks, we got hamburger. Uh, you know, we probably didn't get a lot of meat. Um, so our immune system, if you and I were working 14 hour, day, 14 hour days, and given approximately a thousand calories a day, we're gonna be extremely thin and weakened. Our immune system will be weakened. And if you and I were to get COVID-19 right now in that condition, we would die in about a week. And then church would say, oh, they weren't able to fight off the, the, the COVID-19 virus. No, our immune system was weakened because we, we were worked to death. Every mission in California, except one, uh, has a mass burial with unmarked graves, including San Fernando, where my ancestors are from, including Ventura, where I live today. The Ventura mission has over 3,000 Shumash people buried in a mass grave, and there's a parking lot over it. They don't even list the names of those, of those people that, that were enslaved there and build the Ventura mission. The San Fernando Mission does have a plaque. It's about that big. It's about two feet by, by about one foot, foot and a half. And it says uh, 4,200 uh, uh, neophytes uh, are buried in this area here. It's in a, a garden. Ironically, it's in the Bob Hope Memorial Garden. So they have a giant. It has a beautiful bronze plaque of Bob Hope who I really enjoyed. I thought he was a brilliant comedian, but uh, they, they acknowledge Bob Hope. Apparently he made big donations to the Catholic Church, but they don't acknowledge the people who built the church that kept it running. So those are the San Fernando Mission's own, own records. I, I don't have to, to, to expound and, and, and give you my opinion. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think um, 
just to think about the mindset of the Catholic Church. Uh, is it? Would you say it's just kind of a denial of the of the harshness of the treatment, or is it uh, just uh, you know they think people you know it's just this long distant historical thing that they people people don't care about? I mean, why why is there this resistance to kind of coming to terms with what happened? Uh, I tell people that when when you look at at Shumash mythology, Shumash storytelling, our creation, every almost every tribe in America, probably every tribe in North and South America, have their own creation stories, how their people were created, uh, and uh, ours says that. Uh, the Shumash were created uh, by Hutash, the Mother Earth Spirit, uh, and we grew from a plant on the island of Lemu, the island that we call Santa Cruz Island today, uh, and that the uh, sky people, sky coyote, sky eagle, uh, the sky snake, uh, sky lizard, moon, the moon, the sun, and morning star got together to decide what the Shumash people look like. That's part of our creation story. When I go to Catholics and Christians, and say, you know, I really like that story about this virgin that had an immaculate conception and had God's son. I go, that's a great story. A Christian and a Catholic priest will tell me that's not a story. That's the gospel. And their gospel is just to spread that story as the truth. That's the word of God. That's the difference. We acknowledge that, no, these are stories, and these stories tell you what our beliefs are. And the Christian church says, no, these aren't stories, these are the gospel, this is the truth. God created humans from Adam and Eve. He took Adam's rib and create a woman. The fact that that happened 2,000 years ago, uh, or whenever that was, 3,000 years ago, uh, and I always say I, I, I should have read the Bible more when I went to Mass when I was a young boy. Uh, <laughs> so I'm doing my best to be <laughs> a scholar of the Christian uh, religion. Uh, but they have found human remains on Santa Rosa Island that have been carbon dated to be between 13,000 to 13,500 years old. They have found human remains in, in Africa that are older than that. Yeah. So it kind of like, uh, so you're saying that's not a story, that that's the gospel, that's the truth. But what about those people that we have human remains and we've carbon dated them and they're 20,000 years old from Africa. You know, they're 50,000 years old from, from Africa and, and then they migrated up to Europe. Uh, uh, so so they're, 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 that's, that's the, big, the big difference between the Catholic Church and the Christian religion and, and, and native re religions. Uh, the, the fact that you know, we acknowledge, we're gonna tell you a story that's gonna explain what what we believe. Yeah. So there's a, there's a dogmatism. There's a, like, we know the right answer. 
And to yeah. admit that they did something wrong would maybe invalidate that authority. Yeah. And, and I, I will voice my opinion on this. From my observations of what little I know about history, mm-hmm. uh, and I've said this a lot lately, the Catholic Church was established to, to gain political power and money. And they knowingly, the, the church leaders, the Pope, the priests, the padres, knowingly manipulated the masses, their flock that were uneducated, so they can gain political power. So when you look at European history and the Inquisition and, and, and the 1300s, the 1400s, you know, when you look at that period, the Catholic priests and the popes openly admit behind closed doors when they were having discussions with kings and queens and, and uh, generals that uh, you need us to control the masses. And yeah. they, it was more about power than it was about uh, their, their religious philosophy. Yeah. The religious philosophy was, was used to control the masses. Yeah. When they came over here, it's just like I tell people, the Bureau of Indian Affairs was established in the Department of War. The Bureau of Indian Affairs, when it was first established, was under the Department of War. That's where they were established. That set the mentality for how Bureau of Indian Affairs Indian agents would deal with tribal people. We were the adversary. We, you know, and, and we were to be defeated. And even though shortly after being established in the Department of War, they went to the Department of Interior, they still had that mentality. Yeah. And it wasn't until recently that the Bureau of Indian Affairs has started bringing in tribal people to, to, to work in the Bureau of Indian Affairs and to be in more leadership uh, positions that that their attitude has changed a little bit. The Catholic Church is the same way. Yeah, uh, and that's how it was a step when they, when Father Sarah was was brought over here. He came from Mexico, where he was with conquistadors conquering the Aztec and May, Mayan cultures. That was his mentality to conquer, to be part of conquering, and then convert them. The, the native peoples to become good Catholics. But first and foremost was conquer, control. Yeah. And That's I, what the Catholic Church, in my opinion, yeah. has always been about. It was that, that was their mentality when they came here. Yeah. And even if even if you think, you know, even if you believe, and there, there are a lot of people that believe this, that some of the you know, padres at the mission you know, were genuinely driven by their religion to share what they thought was the good news, they were still working as an arm or agent of the government. And they knew, you know, um, that the mission system was preparing the way for pueblos to exist along the coast where more more colonizers would come uh, and push Native people further out of the land. So I, you know, it's uh, that's an argument I hear on the other side, you know, sometimes that, you know, you got to separate the 
military conquistadors from the Padres, but they are all part and parcel of a system that was used to achieve a specific goal. And so your specific beliefs maybe are not as important as the project you're participating in. Yes. You know, and, and, and it's kind of amazing when you look at today's world, where we're at, at today, we have this, this pandemic that's killing you know, hundreds of thousands of people. That's what happened to, to, to California Indians. And when you look at who's dying of those 150,000 uh, Americans that have died from COVID-19, there's a higher percentage of them that are lower socioeconomic and people of color, the people at the lower end, the lowest rung of the ladder. And uh, uh, you're not gonna get any, any politicians in Washington, D.C. to admit it uh, publicly, uh, but uh, they know that the majority of the people that are dying right now are expendable. There are millions and uh, they can be easily replaced. That was the attitude that the mission priests had. Yes, some of them tried to protect us from the soldiers, but who brought the soldiers? Yeah. <laughs> they they're, they're, they're together. You know, they arrived yeah. on the same boats, ultimately. Yes. You know, Father Sarah uh, rode up with a military leader to, to arrive in yeah. Alta, California. You know, same, same project. Now, I, I, I'm going to transition here for a second um, because in 1821, something big happened, which is uh, there was the Mexican War for Independence and there was a separation with Spain. Um, and then the process of, quote, secularization uh, started to take place. So how did the, how did the mission system kind of, you know, change with that change in government? Uh, it, there really wasn't much of a change for, for native peoples. Uh, uh, we, we actually had a little bit more, uh, power and influence. And when I say a little, very little, uh, when, when we were under the control of Spain and Mexico. Uh, so both uh, Spain, I said, if, if, if we learned Spanish and became Catholics and became uh, citizens of Spain, we would be able to own land. And when Mexico won its independence, they, they went ahead and said, okay, yes, since Spain, uh, told the, the tribal people at the missions that, that they would be able to own land if they became citizens. We'll go ahead and honor that. But uh, my, my family, uh, if you go to Rancho Encino in uh, Encino, California, and Encino is right where the 405 and the 101 intersect. It's okay. some of the most valuable land in all of California. When there was that switch from Spain to Mexico, uh, Mexico, the Mexican government told the missions, you know, hey, we're, we're, not, we're not like Spain. We're not gonna continue to provide you soldiers and protection. Uh, so the missions realized, okay, we won't have all those soldiers to, to control the tribal people. If we tried to leave the mission, and go back to our villages, the soldiers would come out and forcibly bring us back. Now they lost 
the, the, the soldiers, uh, or, or at least most of the soldiers. Uh, so they started when, they, when uh, the missions became under the control of the Mexican government, that's when they started with the land grants. And they started giving away large blocks of land. The majority of the land grants were given to wealthy and influential Spanish and Mexican uh, people that were members of the church. Uh, and were powerful, wealthy, and influential. That's yeah. who got the large thousand, thousand, thousand acre, five thousand acre blocks of land. Uh, but most of the missions, including San Fernando Mission, gave uh, land to some of the Indian families that uh, you know had become good Catholics, and, and, and we fulfilled our part of the agreement. My great great either two or three greats grandfather was one of those men. So if you go to Rancho Encino, it's a state park. Uh, Rancho Encino was uh, Rancho is a land grant that was given uh, to four Indian men, uh, basically four Indian families. And one of them was my great great grandfather, uh, Francisco. Uh, and they were given a square league of land, which is 4,400 acres, a nice little chunk of land. So even though we had a little bit more legal rights when we were under the control of Spain and Mexico, there were still, we were still at the, the lowest rung of the ladder, the lowest rung of the ladder. We were still looked on, down as inferior and as savages. Uh, so the local politicians and wealthy ranchers quickly started assessing us taxes and fees. Oh, yeah, you, the, the church give you the land, but, but there's a $100 tax. Uh, and besides $100 tax, there's another $500 fee. We didn't have $5, let alone $500. Uh, uh, so the Rancho Encino, uh, it, it took them about a, a year, two years at the most, a little bit less than two years. Uh, they had nickel and dimed us with fees and taxes that uh, we, we, we lost all the land. Uh, we were told we could stay there though as long as we want and, and we were worked on, on the Rancho Encino as, as uh, ranch hands and uh, uh, tribal vaqueros, Indian, Indian cowboys. Uh, uh, but uh, eventually we were even forced off, off the land. Um, uh, so we had a little bit of rights, but we had no political power, we had no money. So we were, all the California tribal families that were given land by the missions, that land was quickly either blatantly just taken away or we were taxed and feed until, until we were evicted uh, from, from, from the land. So stop and think, if we were able to keep that land, those four families, that would have been a thousand acres each for the 405 and the 101 intersected. We would be one of the richest tribes in all of America. But we lost that land in a matter of less than two years. So. Well, yeah, it seems like, you know, whatever supposed gains there would be by the ending of the Spanish period, a lot of it was just an illusion uh, or just a game to eventually end up with the same result, which is uh, forcing uh, their agenda to get what they want ultimately. And I, you know, I, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about um, how we memorialize or remember things. And 
Uh, one way we do that uh, in a lot of countries is through statues and memorials and um, uh, fixtures, physical fixtures in our, uh, in our space that cause us to reflect on something historical, you know, and I, I am, um, I'm an eighth grade teacher and I, every year I take, except for this year, obviously I take my eighth graders to Washington DC. Uh, so we can see, you know, kind of these, you know, in, important fixtures of us history. Um, and these presidents, you know, some of many of them slaveholders, you know, have these enormous, oftentimes marble statues erected, which in some ways kind of deifies them to people, you know, that are these gods or whatever. Um, and I took, um, we went into the Capitol building and we got to see the, the hall. I forget what the name is, the hall of statues where every state in the union has two statues. And uh, Unipero Serra is one of the two statues uh, from California. And I, I just wanted you to kind of uh, share your thoughts a little bit about, um, you know, if, if you were having a conversation with someone um, that maybe was saying, by taking down these statues, we're just kind of erasing history. Uh, how would you respond? Because that's, that's a kind of a common critique that I hear, especially related to Confederate stuff, which is very different than what we're talking about. But uh, this idea that, like, if we take down the statues, you know, are, are we just, are we going to erase history? Are we, are we going to forget what happened? Um, and why do you think ultimately uh, taking down statues of people like Junipero Serra is, is the right thing to do? Uh, first, let me say, and I say this a few times, I do go to, to middle schools. Uh, eighth grade was three of the best years of my life. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, and eighth graders get that joke when I say to third graders, third grade was three of the best years of my life. Uh, it kind of goes over. It just confuses uh, them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but my uh, uh, short answer is uh, no, we shouldn't have statues of. Father Sarah, uh, but uh, let, let me tell you why. Uh, when, when people, uh, so I was involved uh, with the moving of the Father Sarah statue here in Ventura. Uh, so I had a very small part. I, I uh, went to some of the meetings and spoke uh, online and sent some emails to the city council members with. With, with my feelings about it. Uh, and it seemed to fall on, on deaf ears, but I was adamant and sane. And I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for all Chumash people. I'm not speaking for all Tatavion people. We did not, I, I did not want the Father Sarah statue removed. I want it moved. It's, it's, it's a little tricky. The Father Sarah statue here in Ventura was eight feet tall, right in front of City Hall, right off of downtown Ventura, where everyone, tourists come, where people in Ventura drive by every day. Um, so I just wanted that statue moved. Um, I, I, and when people go, yeah, but you're just taking advantage of what's happening in America today, all this civil unrest. And, and you guys have a, have a little bit of a voice now of Black Lives Matter and, and, and all those issues. No, no, no. People like myself, tribal people like myself, 
we've been saying this for years. I've spoken with tell friends 20 years ago. Okay, on my bucket list is to go take a whiz. Can I say that? Yes, you can. Go take a whiz on every Father Sarah statue in California. <laughs> I said that 20 years ago. And yeah. Because uh, it, it's, it's, it's like putting salt on, on an open wound for, for California tribal people. Uh, uh, I said, I, I don't want to debate. Uh, he was just trying uh, to, to convert uh, uh, California Indians to his religion. He was just trying to help them. Uh, become more civilized. Uh, I, you know, uh, as I stated earlier, he felt we were an inferior. We were an inferior ethnic group. We were an inferior race. Why would I want a statue of someone that thought I was inferior? That I, no matter how intelligent I got, how much I worked, the good Catholic I became, I was still inferior to Father Sarah. I would never be his equal. Why would I want to do someone that thinks that culture is, is, is not even a culture, even though we've been here 13 years? Uh, so, so just keeping it at those little facts, you know, uh, and, and then add, add on what is he responsible murder, genocide, and rape. You can debate all night, but you cannot debate what he did. He thought we were inferior. When he brought tribal people to missions, he separated families. So we weakened the family unit. So men lived in one building, women lived in another building, and children lived in another building. You were allowed to visit your for at most one to two hours in the evening because you work from sunrise to sunset. You had to have dinner and had to They were allowed an hour or so to visit with your family. Stop and think, all of you out there that are listening right now, all of you that, that, that have a, a husband, all of you that have sons and daughters, what sort of emotional effect would it have on you if you were separated and forced to live in separate buildings where you could see your, your, your children 100 yards away, 200 yards away, but weren't allowed to go talk to them, weren't allowed to go hug them, weren't allowed to tell them in, tell them a story at night before they went to sleep. Emotionally, what would that do to you? Why would you want a statue of a man that that was his policy? to separate families, to not allow them to speak their language. Take a, you know, let's take away, were, they, were we forced to become Catholics or did we willingly become Catholics? Yeah. I, I could care less. Yeah. The facts, those two facts, for, for me, that's all, that's all I need. Yeah, and I think, I think it's true. And, uh, you know, having discussed this with different, different uh, people, I mean, I've, I've had more discussions about Confederate memorials recently just because of the Black Lives Matter movement and thinking about, you know, because those those are just so obvious. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like these people, you know, uh, were slaveholders and revolted, and you know, it led to the the murder of, or well, you know, the Civil War, which killed hundreds of thousands of people. It seems 
obvious, you know, and I, I think um, ultimately there's, there's very few people that should be memorialized um, and that maybe, maybe the solution is to memorialize things that group of, that groups of people did, you know, memorialize something yeah. like the declaration of independence, not memorialize Thomas Jefferson, memorialize the constitution and the bill of rights, you know, memorialize those things, maybe not the flawed individuals that wrote them that had slaves. Um, but I think there's maybe something in a little bit in human nature that we want to memorialize humans uh, more than abstract things like documents and uh, movements. So, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it, it would do a lot for us in our history in California to do the right thing here. And I, I, I know there's, you mentioned that uh, Ventura did the right thing. Are there other places? I mean, I don't, I don't know all the places in California where there are uh, statues and memorials to the mission system. Are other places doing this as well? Because um, Los Angeles, I know Los Angeles is, uh, yeah. even though uh, the the one there was a Father Sarah statue in downtown Los Angeles, uh, El Pueblo uh, or Grand Park, I, I forget what it's called, but it's right in downtown Los Angeles, very close to City Hall. Uh, that one was toppled, uh, but uh, no police showed up. Uh, uh, the, the, the city the city of Los Angeles was planning on removing it and it was kind of like, okay, you know, all you did was just speed up the process a little bit. Right. Uh, so at least Los Angeles and, and, and Ventura, uh, some of the Southern California cities, some of them uh, are looking at San Diego, very conservative area. They're, they're, they're uh, Orange County, a lot of Orange counties are very conservative. Uh, Republican uh, county that's, that's going to be difficult to get uh, those statues removed and, and, and l let me say a couple things about that uh, you asked er earlier about uh, rewriting history we don't want to rewrite history we're not having these statues moved so we can rewrite history and change history we just want the true history written regardless of what you do with the statues yeah you know but j just just tell the, the, the true history uh, that's that's what most of us want and uh, i i had a, 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 a facebook discussion a couple days ago with an old high school friend about mascots the washington redskins cleveland indians uh, and uh, once again i said i didn't want to i didn't want to have a debate he wanted to debate and his, his friends on facebook wanted to debate that i i have i have tribal friends that they're okay with that. They 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 think it's a, a, an honor to have a football, team, you know, that honors you know Native Americans. That's a, a, a racist slur. Uh, and I go, you know, I I, I don't want to have a debate with you about uh, do some people, some tribal people, have a problem with it, and do some tribal people not have a problem with it. He asked me how I felt about the mascots which is the same as how do i feel about father sarah's statues if i was african-american how do i feel about the confederate flag how do i feel about statues of robert e lee and if i was to say they really bother me i wish they would be removed i wish they would change the name of the washington redskins that 
I, I do not want to be a mascot for the Cleveland Indians. It's offensive to me. That's not enough. They're trying to rationalize. Yeah. So the, the, the people that are for leaving Confederate flags up and statues, they're trying to rationalize their behavior. I don't want to have a discussion about trying to rationalize someone's behavior. Do we find Father Sarah's statues offensive? I do. Do all tribal people feel that way? No, there's some good Catholics that think he, he, he was a saint. He was a man of God. You ask me, how do I feel about the Father Sarah's statues? They're offensive to me. If, there's, if I'm the only one, leave the damn statue up. But if there's, a, if there's a handful of tribal people that it's offensive to them, that it bothers them, that it, it causes them anger, anguish, trauma, then maybe you should look at, at, at moving them. That's why I said, I don't want, I don't want Father Sarah's statue removed in Ventura. I want it moved. Move it over to the, to the mission, to the Catholic Church. They have a beautiful little grass uh, area right there. It's fenced off. I don't have to see it every day. If people that are Catholics that want to go to the church and to the mission and, and learn their version of what Father Sarah did, they can knock themselves out. <laughs> That's why it's a, it's, it's a, it's a subtle difference. Mm -hmm. I don't want those statues removed. I want them moved either to the, to the church or to a museum where then it can be explained in a little bit more honest and more detailed. This is what the church believes. This is what the tribal people believe. And then let, 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 let whoever's going to the museum make their, their, their own mind up. Yeah, I, li I really like the museum perspective. I think that's, so, I, so think that's I think, because that's the way where you, you, you every, I mean, not everybody wins, but it's, it's the way where most of the objectives are met. You know, you have context, you have alternate perspectives that can be, placed within or near the statue so you get different points of view um, and you know ultimately we are in california we're a bunch of people trying to live together um, and if there's one person in your family that's bothered by something in your house you remove that thing from your house even if it's just one family member if I'm, you know, if I have one person in my house that's allergic to, to, to cats and I'm like, well, the, the rest of us aren't allergic to cats. So you're just going to have to deal with it. That's, that's irrational. I mean, and that's, and, and that's kind of a light example to compare, but I mean, we're all members of the state of California and I think we need to start treating everyone like we're all equals in this, in, in these kinds of conversations. And there shouldn't be just one, even if it's a, a historian, you know, that's trying to decide it for everybody. I still think we all should have a voice in these conversations. And um, ultimately, I want to conclude right now with uh, you kind of um, telling us where to find more of your work. And if people are interested in learning more about uh, Native history in California, where they should go. Um, I, I believe it's important to go to the, to the tribe. Uh, the Santa Inez Chumash are the only federally recognized tribe. Uh, so they have resources that, that the rest of us Chumash people don't have. Uh, they are currently building their, their own museum, their own cultural center. 
Uh, it's going to be state of the art and beautiful. It'll be in San Ynez, California. If you want to learn about the shoe match people, go to the shoe match people. So in about another year, definitely within the next 18 months, uh, their cultural center will, will be uh, finished. It's going to be beautiful. And it will have the true history uh, from, from our point of view. Um, and if, in, in this day and age, you can go to, to websites. Uh, so if you want to learn about the uh, Fernandinho Tataviam Band of Mission Indians, just type in Fernandinho. Uh, which is like San Fernando, but with D-E-N-O at the end. Okay. So Fernandinho Tataviam Band of Mission Indians. Uh, we have our own website. and We, we have a, a, a history uh, section on, on, our, on our tribal website that, that tells our, our history, talks about Rancho Encino and the, and the land grant. So that was just my family land grant. Uh, I go to schools, museums, uh, universities, powwows, because I think it's important that, that, that we tell our own story. So if you want to hear about what, what I do in my storytelling, which I think is extremely important, storytelling is becoming a lost art. Um, it's what I hope to, uh, it's what I'm going to start doing uh, as, as, uh, as I'm getting older now. Uh, uh, I, I have a, 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 my own website that focuses mostly on my storytelling, and my hope is to start instead of telling stories, teaching storytelling. How to tell stories, how to tell tribe different than myth and legend from Europe. So www.mynativestories. Uh, this is my website. It's, it's nothing fancy. It's a simple little website. Uh, and 25-minute uh, video, shoe match songs. Uh, and and uh, that's what I'm going to focus on uh, for the next few years, uh, getting some of my stories published, traditional stories and original stories. Uh, in 2021, when, when I turn 70, it's, it's uh, five and a half months. It will also be the 20th anniversary of our first crossing in a traditional Shumash canoe. And in 2001, we paddled from the mainland here in Channel Islands Harbor, which is Oxnard, California, out to Santa Cruz Island. At that time in 2001, that was the first time a traditional shoe mash ocean plank to mole, an ocean plank canoe, and made that journey in over 150 years. It was part of our revitalization of the maritime. So next year, 2021, will be the 20th anniversary of that, and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. So those are some of the things. And if you go to the uh, Fernandinho Tataviam Band of Mission Indians, uh, we are under review right now. Uh, with the Bureau of Indian Affairs for federal recognition. We can get fairly recognized. We can be, we can go from a group of mostly uh, low income, middle income, working class people. But if you go to the Fernandino uh, website, uh, you, you can get the information to write letters of support to the Bureau of Indian Affairs to that tribe that we should be fairly recognized, that we are a tribe, that we're still here. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, any support uh, will be greatly appreciated. Uh, uh, yeah, will, my goal is, is to dispel as many myths about tribal people as I can.
Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me and spending some of your COVID time with me. And uh, I can say as someone that's taken a, a motorized boat to the Channel Islands, that that is no small boat ride. That is a long journey. And I can only imagine in a canoe uh, how long that would take. So it's, uh, do, you, do you remember how long it took them to? to we've, 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 gone, uh, we've gone a dozen times. Uh, and there's been times that the conditions have been really rough, windy. Uh, uh, in those conditions, it takes us 10 to 12 hours to make the 21-mile uh, journey. In good conditions, we can make it in uh, six hours. Uh, uh, but uh, our canoes are very heavy. Uh, they're flat bottom, so you have to put what is called ballast or weight to get some of the canoe underwater to stabilize it. Yeah. Uh, so the, the uh, one we built in 1997 that we took on the first crossing in 2001, it's light. It's our lightest one. And that's, we're pulling over 500 pounds of weight through the water. For the last 10, 12 years, I've paddled in the San Inez, a Tamal Mutai. Uh, it's 32 feet long, 30 feet long, uh, weighs 500 pounds empty. We put about uh, seven to 800 pounds of ballast in her. So we're pulling over a thousand pounds of canoe through the water. Wow. It takes wow. a tremendous amount of uh, uh, power. Uh, it's extremely physically demanding. And on those times, really the times vary from six hours to 12 hours. It depends on how, how long Thunder and lightning are in there. If thunder yeah. and lightning are in there, we make it in six hours. No yeah. thunder and lightning, 12 hours. For those listening, <laughs> there, there's biceps being pointed to, but yes. Yes, yes. It's massive biceps. Massive biceps. <laughs> well, thanks again, Alan. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for having me. I, I, I hope I uh, uh, didn't ramble too much, uh, but it's things I feel passionately about. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Alan. I learned a lot. I think um, it's important when you're studying history to try to see from as many different perspectives as possible. Um, that gets you as close to what might be a semblance of objective truth as we can about what, is, what happened in the past. Next week, we'll be visiting Fort Ross in Northern California and learning about this uh, important Russian uh, fur trade fort um, and be discussing the Russian uh, integration impact um, and mediation between that group and the native groups in that area. It'll be an interesting episode to kind of compare uh, the mission system's impact versus uh, trading forts and how those impacted the native groups in the surrounding areas. All right, until next time.